All right, this is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater, one play at a time. As always, we are... Very thankful of Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. Norman, it's great to see you again. <laughs> good to be seen. Yeah, happy post-birthday. Yay. Yay, 60, well, can I? 64. 64. And looking, you know, not a day. <laughs> I, I got, I renewed my license yesterday and had to do a picture. And I was like, oh, I'm going to wear an old sweater. <laughs> I'm just going to be an old man. I'm going to own it. Hey. No, 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 no. I always think the theater just makes us young. And we have two fantastic guests. We have Radhika Rao, who's just uh, coming off of, uh, well, you're in your last week of Before the Sword at the NT, uh, New Conservatory New theater. Conservatory Theater. Radhika, yes. how are you? Dr. Rao, I've got to give you the respect that you Are you deserve. doctor now? Uh, well, I have been since 20, uh, 2009. I have oh, a doctorate. Oh, jeez, I didn't know that. I know. It's just not useful on stage. Sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. We, and we have Tina D'Elia, who is our official guest, because this is your first time on the A. Tina, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Um, both of you ladies have been just magnificent. I mean, you both of you are teachers, you're directors, you're... I'm not sure if you're a writer, Radhika. I do write, but I don't have the time to write. And so I have, I've written more uh, children's plays than I have for adults. I feel like I have a play in me, but mm-hmm. between the teaching and the acting, it's I don't have the mental space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Tina, you are most definitely a writer. You are a writer. You are a producer, a casting director, a co-screenwriter. Um, <laughs> so many accomplishments. Uh, you wrote, co-wrote the short film Lucha that received the Audience Award at the Frameline 33 LGBT Film Festival in 2009. It was also nominated in 2009 for the Iris Prize Award. So that is something you should most definitely be proud of. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm incredibly grateful for Maria Bro, who's the director, co-screenwriter, uh, and um, and and uh, producer, who said yes because sometimes you have a dream as a writer but you need a team absolutely absolutely (laughs) need someone to believe in you and we'll talk more about that both of you ladies and uh obviously we uh ronica you've been on episodes 21 and 131 so we won't get into an origin story because we know (laughs) you're from india you spent some time i believe in england is that right no, I grew up in India. Yeah, I know you grew up in India. Yeah. But I thought you spent some time in England, but you um, did not. I was born in the Netherlands, and I spent four years there. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's how close, close I went. Yeah. My ex and, is from Spain. But... And most recently, you're an American citizen. <laughs> yes, 2021. Mm-hmm. I'm Yay. a pandemic citizen. Yay, I was Yay. a pandemic <laughs> citizen. Yes. So, Norman, as I begin uh, each podcast, how was your week? How was your month? I haven't seen you in about a month, I think. It's It's been a little bit. I It's Good. I, I, I'm officially ending my uh, birthday season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a um, successful one. It was surrounded good. By friends and it was amazing. And all um, there, there, no, there was, I wouldn't say surrounded. I was accompanied by friends is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went and saw my mom right before. And then I got a mouthful of new teeth. I have bridges, an implant, a root canal. Wow. There's something else. I can't remember it all. Um, crowns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. I got a lot done. Um, so um, I have a Mexican dentist. 
So mm-hmm. I drove into Tijuana, got a bunch done one day, drove back. The day I was flying out, mm-hmm. drove back, went to the dentist, drove back to my mom's house. We took me to the airport. I'm like, oh, okay. You went through what I went through in 2018. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the dental implants and all that stuff. But no, that's fantastic. It was wild. It was I was going to ask if you came into some money to afford all of that. <laughs> See, uh, no, I'm seriously in debt now because I wasn't expecting, when we talked about it, I had gone early in the year, and when we talked about it, it sounded like there were a few more things. I thought I was going to spend $2,500. I spent over $5,000, but still, I would like to compare that to what that would cost here and go, yeah. I mean, the very fact that you had to go to Mexico is an indictment on the healthcare system here that you need, you know. Healthcare, or you know, you know, it's it's like privilege. It's like if mm-hmm. you have a, a good enough job and a good enough healthcare, then you get the best. And right. it really should be just equal. While we're on the subject, yes. my dentist is in India, and I'd rather pay fifteen hundred dollars to go to India and yeah. get everything done because I know I'm going to yeah. have a better dentist. Wow. Yeah, and I, and it's going to be. They're going to get it done. Off yeah, the, off the yeah. price, or sometimes even a twentieth of the price, mm-hmm. and they're excellent doctors as they are in Tijuana as well. So yes. Oh yeah, the no. I had a cousin to change in America. A cousin Indeed. who was worried that yeah. I was going to have problems, but around that time, um, 20, 2020 did a piece about medical tourism mm. and then um npr did a piece about medical tour and specifically about tijuana and dentistry and i was like yeah, yeah baby Great. that's mine so yeah. it's why yeah, so many learning. people just don't i mean i haven't i'll be free to admit that i had avoided dental work for many many years me too thinking oh you know it's not gonna be a big deal until people are like hey listen you really need to take care of yourself right you know it's like hygiene bad breath and mm-hmm. whatever and but it's one of those things people avoid it because you can't afford it right um and of course there's fear but really it's about money mm-hmm. and it's a shame yeah no but i was but I'm glad you- i was willing to do it i had some money saved so mm-hmm. i'm not completely in debt but i'm i'm in debt yeah <laughs> but i feel like it's worth it i'm like i'm this whole you know hopefully this lasts forever hopefully i don't ever have to worry about it again mm-hmm. yeah i hear you I totally hear you uh there have been a couple of uh, current events uh going on uh curiously about ai so there's a oh. bill that's going around mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys have heard about it it's called the no fakes act um, there's a curious acronym uh, because it's it's <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into the internet, but sure. basically mm-hmm. it's a bipartisan congressional bill against uh, companies using AI to simulate um, actors and actresses um, for commercial purposes without consent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's 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 gaining steam. I mean, Harrison Ford talked about how someone is using his image for a I think it's a a dental commercial. I mean, maybe I've got dental mm. on my mind, but mm-hmm. some sort of a commercial. And he was like, I did not give consent mm-hmm. for my image to be used. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's going to be an, an oncoming thing. I mean, do you guys have thoughts about AI and just, you know, the encroaching? I mean, we're all theater, theater folks, so right. it's not going to approach us so much, but you know, if we ever get into film or whatever, or just someone taking a picture. strike going on right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And, and, and voiceover and all of that. Yeah, really strong feelings because um, I think that uh, the more that we also just recognize that uh, it used to be sort of the fear like, well, your identity could be stolen or mm-hmm. someone could right. use your headshot. But now it's the consciousness mm-hmm of um, a corporate tech 
you know, ability to, right. you know, with no qualms, just say, you know, it's ours forever. Yeah. And also, there's an actress um, who, I don't know if you've ever, you guys do voiceover work. Um, yeah. But there's an actress, apparently a company took her voice and placed it onto a porn. Oh. So it's her voice simulating, you know, all the sounds or whatever, and she sued. So I hope she won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's interesting seeing how, you know, this is all going yeah. on. So that was in the news. I read in the LA Times that apparently there is a migration of African Americans leaving the United States. Um Makes and sense. you know, it's well, Roderick, I was going to ask you a question because, you know, you are now a U.S. citizen, you know, <laughs> for the last two years. So yeah. there's an interesting irony that, you know, there are people fighting to become U.S. citizens, yet there are people also who are U.S. citizens who are like, you know, the hell with it. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the American, because when I think of leaving America, I'm like, well, if I leave America, then they, the conservatives, win, mm-hmm. you know, uh, these Trumpsters and those who are trying to push us away. Especially if you are part of the LGBTQ community, right? That well, a lot of constituencies, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, you got to stick with the fight or whatever. So I don't know if you have any just thoughts about that because, unlike us who were born in the USA, you know, you 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 sort of fought to 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 become a citizen. Yeah, I mean, I'm. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot. Like no, that. no, it's I can say so much about it, but I'll say that the reason why. I became a citizen mm-hmm. um, is because of the passport. It's still one of the most powerful passports mm-hmm. you can get in anywhere. And I actually want to be a global citizen. Mm. And so I want to be able to travel and do work in different parts. And it's so much easier to go with an American passport than it is with an Indian passport. Um, I did have to give up my Indian citizenship because India doesn't allow dual citizenship. Oh, wow. So that was awful. Having yeah. said that, yeah. citizenship is... Or, a feeling of belonging is something that you feel in your heart. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something that you, and so I've spent 20 years in this country yeah. mm-hmm. and I have a whole history in India. So yeah. don't ask me to choose. Yeah. But I was like, if I was living here, then I might as well vote. And this is going to be the first national election 2024 yeah. that I can oh, vote. That's great. And Excellent. I pay taxes, yeah. you know, yeah. forever. Yeah. Right. I get taxed a lot. I mean, oh, we yeah. all get taxed a lot. You talk about that um, in the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. But I think United States, we have this like, we're extraordinary kind of, feeling mm-hmm. um right. and if yeah if you are not treated well by your own country and i left my own country right for several reasons i didn't have opportunities there why shouldn't black or any other americans be able to leave and go to another part and that really shows you that yeah we're not good enough to hold on to our citizens you mm-hmm. know so yeah I don't, I, 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 yeah I don't know if you have any thoughts about this yeah. team have you ever have you thought in your mind Maybe, you know, maybe America's just not for me or what, or what have you. Um, well, that's a, I'm, thank you for asking. That's a great question. I've, I've always felt like, uh, I felt extremely privileged that I grew up in Massachusetts and that I moved to San Francisco and I live here. Yeah. And, um, and I'm always like, you know, I was like, okay, don't lose that job because that's what's <laughs> keeping me here and then keeping me in my apartment. That's right. And then, there's a voice that comes out. That's oh, yes. that voice. I yeah, love and that then, voice. And then, I know there's several voices. <laughs> several voices. And so, I mean, if we're getting down to the specifics, um, and then I'm like, and then I'm going to end up in my parents' basement. And then I'm, you know, right. so, so that's yes. sort of like my singular, um, I feel really 
I feel really grateful, mm-hmm. even though it's rough to live here. I mean, I think about it every single day. I'm like, it's really rough. Economically, it's so sad. It, you know, it, And so I want to be part of the fight of making the Bay Area mm-hmm. not a place for just wealthy people and tech folks and folks moving in. So uh, can I understand why people immigrate and move to other countries? Sure, yes, um, for all kinds of reasons. And sometimes it's for opportunity and then it becomes something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes it is about feeling like I either, I thought this was my home. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to leave. And then also um, I knew friends with the Trump administration that really did try to, hmm. to leave. Hmm. Um, interestingly enough, uh, my grandparents on my mother's side that are my grandfather, is German and my grandmother's Mexican. When um, when they tried to buy a house in St. Louis in the forties, yeah, they'd say yes to my grandfather, and then they'd see my grandmother, and they'd say no, and they moved to Cali, Colombia. Mm. So uh, so I grew up with sort of this bicultural um, yeah. Latin American uh, uh, South American culture, um, and my uncles still have their accents, and then everyone's confused, and they think I'm. Uh, mixed race Colombian, hmm. but now you know the fast story. Right. Um, so right. yeah. all this is to say, um, all this is to say that, uh, and that was a different. Well, you no, know, it was still a similar choice. It, it, yeah, it was still a similar yeah. choice that my grandfather, I mean, had the privilege, yes, as a white man, and um, and to say like, okay, I, I, he was. I mean, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, put it on a bullhorn or write it down a hundred places. Well, it sure. was, you're yeah. right. It was much more quiet, but it was like, yeah. I am done. Like I just came back from the second world war. I am done. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, anywho. So I'm sorry. I'm sort of, no, 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 no. I mean, this is, I mean, I love the stream of consciousness thing yeah. because, you know, we're talking about things that, you know, we're talking about our heritage. And yeah. I, when you talk about your father, I'm thinking about my grandfather who migrated from the Deep South, mm-hmm. you know, as a sharecropper coming yeah. to uh, Washington, D.C., and being in a black community where he can actually buy a house and all mm. of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is privilege that we have, but then you have the other stories where it's like, no, hell no, we don't want you guys here. Yeah. Whoever mm-hmm. the you are. That's right. You right. Indians or you Jews or you black people. You know, it's always mm-hmm. something. So there's always the fight. Norman, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but What's have up? you ever felt alienated or like, have you thought, and it's funny, we're working on the Baldwin Project. Yeah. Mm. One of the most famous expats, although he did come back. Mm. Have you ever thought about well, he died in France. I mean, he, he yeah. came back and forth. No, I think I think about it. It's the same thing with the dental thing. Mm-hmm. There were years where I was waiting because we kept hearing, like, California has threatened a number of times to offer dental insurance as part of Medi-Cal mm-hmm. yeah. or to offer some kind of program. Mm-hmm. Um, the VA has threatened to do it and then didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm at a certain point went, you know what? I can't wait for somebody to take care of me. I better take care of myself. And my wife and I have actually talked about this a few times. Mm. My parents went, my mom and my stepfather went to Mexico and lived there for over a decade. Oh, wow. And didn't know if they were ever coming back. And then they moved back to San Diego like they barely came back. Mm -hmm. But um, I started paying more attention to what that meant. And Mm -hmm. there's the side of me. It's funny. What was You used a word... um, that waiting for, uh, God, what was it? Um, you know, it's a like a legal term. Um, 
we're, uh, we're, we're waiting for... Um, Oh, reparations or no 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 when you were talking about the dental thing you were saying something about i forget what you said oh, sure. but okay. it's again waiting for the system yeah. to mm-hmm. do right yeah. right yeah. and i'm at that age now where i'm like you know what there's a good chance the system is not going to get there in my lifetime mm. right so where else could i go and when i first started looking into retirement stuff mm-hmm. um Went to a workshop, and before they started the formal workshop, the guy said, while we're waiting, why don't we talk a little bit about the places that you can go in the world and mm-hmm. live on Social Security very well. And he just listed like a bunch of places and asked people if they knew about places. And it was this amazing conversation. I went, oh, wait. So really, I could take my little government check and spend the rest of my life someplace really comfortable. <laughs> And probably better health care. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, that sounds great. Well, I tried to talk to my wife about it and <laughs> very quickly. Well, number one is mom. Her mom is still around. My mom is still around. So mm-hmm. don't want to let, lose that. Um, but the other thing was that we've got community. I was going to say mm-hmm. that because you've, you've spoken a great deal about the Oakland community and yeah. how. And the Bay Area community. Yeah. yeah. And the theater community. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, even now, I think, I don't think I've ever thought about it. And I've been out of the country. Like, I spent mm-hmm. time in Kyrgyzstan this year, earlier mm-hmm. this year. And I've been to India uh, mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to um, Dimapur uh, ah. in Nagaland. But I've always wanted to come back home. Right. And I know that there's a battle, you know, because when we talk about expatriates, we're talking expats, we're talking about. Number one is financial, mm-hmm. but also a lot of it is just political and social. Yeah. There yeah. are people who want to push us out. Mm-hmm. And I can we can either say, yes, you win, you know, or, or we can say, no, hell no. Mm-hmm. This is my country as well. Right. I'm, an, I'm an American. You may not like the fact that I'm an American. I may not sound like you or whatever, but I'm not going to let you push me out. So... I, I, so I keep the door open on that. I'm like, uh, we might revisit this conversation because if we get, for example, and I hate to say it, but Trump too, right? Then at that point you go, okay, now the crazies are going to have full reign. They right. are going to they are going to be unleashed, and they this is going to be an unlivable place. Yeah, and and the last uh, little story because I think we can jump in. But uh, a Texas teacher was removed. So I talked maybe mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago about mm-hmm. there's a South Carolina teacher who was ratted out by her own student right. for teaching, I think it was a Tanahashi uh, Coates book. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. And, um, mm-hmm. and she was appalled. I mean, she knew that she would get blowback from the school board, but her own 18, 17, 16-year-old kids, who some of them embraced it, but others were like, no, I'm, you know, my parents you know, don't like this, and I'm not going to like this, and you need to leave. Well, it's happened, excuse me, in Texas. A teacher is teaching Anne Frank. <laughs> and she's removed from the school board because apparently Aaron Frank in this you know section That's is talking dirty. about her own sexuality and yeah. her just exploring herself, becoming a girl to a woman. Yeah, something that I think any young girl should learn and yeah. in a safe place like a school. Right. Mm-hmm. But Texas is like, oh no, this is obscene. You need to leave. Right. Mm-hmm. This is what the battle is all about. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway. You didn't have any fun ones this week? Damn. <laughs> well, George Santos is in trouble again. This George time. Santos, Thankfully. yeah, yeah. ID theft. <laughs> Apparently stealing from donors, stealing from his own family. Yeah, yes. Was, family. Yes. He's quite something. And yes. the GOP wants to hold on to him. And once again. They need to hold on so to him. So this is the bookend. So in January, 
they were the GOP wanted to fight for a speaker, right? <laughs> yeah, and poor uh, you know Kevin McCarthy, you know, mm-hmm. ran I think what was it fifteen ballots? Fifteen yeah. ballots. And here we go again. We bookended in September, October. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a speaker, and they can't you know figure it out. I'm amazed that the GOP tripping over themselves, yet they still have this sort of. I don't want to call it power, but they seem to be in front and center of the news. Yes. Yeah. So I know how I feel about the GOP, but how do we feel about the Democrat Party? I mean, I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, I'm just so sick of the Democrat Party and and Biden needs to be. I mean, I call myself a moderate Democrat, but um, are we are we disappointed? Do we want a third party? Are we hopeful of 2024? Are we oh, I don't know if you guys talked about it last week, but yeah. we have a new senator. So yes, yep, that's right. We do, and I'm very happy about her. And it's so funny because I think the big thing we're in right now is this misinformation age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing, and I actually had a buddy say this. I just think it's weird that they held the seat because it had to be a black woman and it had to be a lesbian, and we're getting into these identity politics. And I said, well, the fact is. People are underrepresented. And he said, well, but I mean, so what are we going to do next then? Is there going to be a Latino or an Asian? I said, I'd actually be fine with that. He said, well, that's just wrong. And I said, well, I, I guess I look at it differently. There are lots of people who are eminently qualified mm-hmm. to yes. be in that position, yes. people of color. And so when you think about choosing somebody, why don't you start at that end of the list for once? Yeah. I mean, and when I said that, he kind of backed off. And I said, and this woman is incredibly well qualified. Yeah, she's so incredibly well qualified. It's just a matter of giving her a chance that she would not have. And also, yeah. California is a very, very, very diverse state. Yeah, right. exactly. Senators should re- reflect. They should. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, she, as far as I'm concerned, she is the Nancy Pelosi of our time. And I don't mean because I love Nancy's politics. Nancy Pelosi was, like her, a fundraiser, came from a political background, but had not held office when she ran for Congress. And then, bam, she becomes the best speaker probably in history. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's been amazing. I've been very proud of Nancy Pelosi. I think this senator may do us just fine. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. The diversity, I mean, California, I mean, there's so many African Americans, there's so many, you know, just minorities and, you know, she represents it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, there's a white person who's upset that there's, you know, not your standard operating white person in the Senate position. Well, oh, he, well. he kept saying identity politics because then he went to anti-Semitism because of the whole war thing. Oh. And I said, well, he said, I just don't like that word. Why can't we just call it racism? And I said, because racism towards Jews is different than racism towards black is different than racism towards Asian. He said, well, I mean, what, are we going to have a different word for all this? I said, actually, that would make my life a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) I would find that to be a lot better because Asian, Latino, um, among other things, deal with the whole, do you speak English thing? Nobody ever says that to us. Right. So that's not a oppression that comes my way, but it's a very real oppression for those people. Yeah. It'd be great if we had a word for it. I'm, thrilled i i hate that we live in a world where the jews need to have a word to go you know what there's a way that we get blamed for shit that has nothing to do with us and we all know we've hopefully the little bit of history that we've all learned we all know that that can go really bad exactly yeah i was going to take us back to the misinformation age that you were bringing up um in answering your question reg which is that i try to remind myself every day Mm -hmm. that no matter what we're being told, mm-hmm. I'm like, that might not have anything to do with 
the reality of how people feel, first right. of all, in like, um, uh, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll say majority. And also, I do have faith in every younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if there's sound bites of like, well, my nephew was sort of like, maybe there could be a mascot. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> right. okay, is this, is this sort of like, you know, a pop culture thing? It was like, you want a mascot, you know, to sort of balance Joe Biden, you know, sort of like, I was like, cause he's an artist and he's a musician and yeah. a singer. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so you want to, you want to jazz it up? A you mascot. Want, you want, it's like the Olympics. Huh. Like every time there's an Olympic, there's like an Olympic mascot. They there's do. a mascot. And Which I'm, never catches on. Right. right. Except, for the Democrat party? For the Democrat party. For, for, for the, <laughs> like the running mate. And I'm like, do you mean like when somebody puts a squirrel on their head and runs around a football field, that kind of thing, you know, you know, like in yeah. like this yeah. sort of American Idol. Um, and I also think that it's new for him because uh, I think that there's a lot of young pop icons that mm-hmm. are going to help Joe Biden, which is good. And yeah. sort of to answer the question about the third party, I think that what's been helping through the years is yeah. just is just making the party bigger and just mm-hmm. and just having voices, you know, in the progressive yeah. party getting right. larger and um and recognizing that that where we have power in more than one party is usually on a very local level mm-hmm. and it's yeah. yeah versus a national level which is just yeah. kind of bananas and, and i would like to think the the proper that's my party, feeling because mm-hmm. you know robert kennedy jr is running as oh, an independent yes. and that's not what i think of a third party I mean, no is he officially independent now because yeah, he was trying to be a democrat yeah no independent i'm, I'm Thank pretty sure good yeah. I just hope he doesn't split the ticket. I doubt he'll split the ticket. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Democrats are concerned. I, I hope I just, he splits I'll, the other ticket. Yeah. I just coming from a parliamentary democracy mm-hmm. in India, and I don't understand the electoral college. I don't understand the binary. Yeah. I just feel like there should be as many parties as you need. And then sure. people then have coalitions, but then yeah. that keeps yes. the, whoever's in the ruling party honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just yeah. these either or is like both are not great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. frankly, I'm waiting for this generation to drop off a bit yeah. because there are the newer, the ones yep. that came in, came out of the, um, you know, the, what's it called? The, the extreme Republican wing, the yeah. Yeah. you know, the AOCs. Yeah. And the, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that they're promising and they're wonderful. Oh, right? the Green so New Deal I, people. The Green New Deal people. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. yeah. No, yes. I love them. Yes. I'd like to get there. I feel yeah. like this. I, maybe it's my pragmaticness. Is like until we get there, yeah, yeah. just keep extending the depth. That's that's my feeling. But yeah. yes, I would love to I get there that. where we could right where we could shift how the the polarization and and making it um, to sort of corporate parties. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think people are frustrated. For those who are frustrated with the Democrat Party, I think they want them to be as powerful. People think that the Republican Party is powerful because mm-hmm. they're getting all of these really, really oppressive bills, whether yeah. they're local or national, yeah. right. passed, like you know the defeat of Roe and mm-hmm. yep. these abortion you know mandates in these uh, states. I mean, right. I talked about a woman who was arrested because her daughter she was pregnant and she wanted to get an abortion for her daughter. Right. She was driving along state lines and was arrested. Mm-hmm. Any case, let's get to an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Tina D'Elia. There will always be politics. Um, born in Boston? Uh, born in St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. Ah. Grew up in uh, Massachusetts. Siblings? Yep. Uh, older brother, younger sister. Okay. In the middle. Yeah. Mm, wow. 
Um, so you grew up you grew up in Boston, right? I grew up in Lincoln, Massachusetts, a small town outside of Boston. And then after college, I moved to Jamaica Plain, which is a JP, JP which is an area of. of um, <laughs> Uh, I lived in Boston. Yes, a really great area in Boston, especially in the early 90s, because Mm -hmm. like a lot of cities throughout the United States in the early 90s, it had its um, very progressive, very affordable, Mm -hmm. and and very sort of green, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a lot of Puerto Rican families, very queer, lots of students, Mm -hmm. um, very ideal, of course, once I left and moved out here in, to, in December 98, through time, people were like, Jamaica Plain is unaffordable. And I'm like, you know, and it's completely changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yep. That, that's happening a little bit it's everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Now, were you involved in theater when you were in high school or? Yes. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it I tried to sort of do it for fun, but I did already have the bug when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was hard just because... Uh, when I went to the Cambridge School of Weston, which a lot of actors went to, I realized, like, I'm like, I don't know, am I up for this? Mm-hmm. Um, but what took kind of the heat off of it was that there were student-written plays, student-directing plays, students-directing students in other plays. So it kind of took the <coughs> pressure off because I'm like, I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm ready to do this. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe I'll do some pottery, too, and <laughs> be in the choir and play some be an art be be the artist with a field hockey stick mm-hmm. and try to figure it out and take intro to modern dance one yeah, a right. b um but I, but i but i loved it and since i was i mean i think in second or third grade um i would write poetry mm-hmm. granted i didn't have much to say mm-hmm. but um but i realized i probably was always writing or creating um or in fourth grade stealing from the greats mm-hmm. um good for you uh, Tom Lair and the Marx Brothers. Oh, nice. I'd steal from them. I'd work out a skit with my puppets, mm-hmm. bring the little puppet show. My uncle Jorge was a puppeteer. Yeah. I'd use Jorge's puppets, bring my little puppet uh, show, mm-hmm. put it on the bus, you know, had my plan. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I could pull some of these jokes from these greats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't suggest it to anybody out there. <laughs> if you're in fourth grade and you're a child, you know, <laughs> just keep in mind that you might just want to. Say you know, source your material. Right now, I imagine those are better times. You didn't have to. You didn't have social media and you didn't have copyright laws like that. He's going to come after a nine-year-old. That's right. That's right. We will never know these days. Yeah. Yeah. But I imagine, did your parents read to you? Because you know, it sounds like you were very, very literate at a very young age. Gosh, thank you. Um, (laughs) You know, what's funny is, I probably was very literate, but also, and also uh, had a learning disability. And I think that that makes sense for a lot of artists and a lot of creative people. Um, definitely my mom read to us. And definitely my parents have stacks of books everywhere. So many books that I'm trying to help my mom let go of the books. Mm. And then, you know, to bring them to places so people can read them. Yeah. And then my mom's like, I'm going to get another credit to get more books. <laughs> I'm like, Carmela, this is too much. Um, so, but it's beautiful. So my parents are like lover yeah. of books and reading and... Um, and writing. My dad writes poems and he sends them out. Um, And my mom reads the story she's working on in classes still. So um, I feel like it made a huge difference. And my mom was the queen of like, if we put on this record, maybe you could act it out. What's happening? Wow. So I feel like definitely that came from Mm -hmm. my 
parents and a lot from my mom. And I feel like that's also a lot of um, what she she and my uncles were doing in Cali. Mm. In Cali, Colombia, is a lot of it was sort of um, dance and music and puppeteering and performance and dressing up was a lot of how mm-hmm. they were, even in the holidays, too. Um, and so it became... Uh, I was going to say a better word than normalized. It just felt very like humanized, embodied in our sure. family. So no, yeah. no, 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 no. I mean, th- I mean that is just beautiful. I mean, you know, think about a family that is so ingrained to arts, and it sounds like it bounded um, the family together, and it gave you an artistic space. Because usually you leave the house to find the space, but right. you had the space right there. Yeah. Now it's wonderful. Yep. And then the the sort of pop, you know, culture little person in me was like, and then you take away the television? We got <laughs> nothing. Is <laughs> that right? Even, like, even in the MTV era, the cable, because te- cable television really came to be in the 90s. It's true. So so then it was like, so then I had to go elsewhere. And every mm-hmm. time I went to babysit and I was like, ah, I was like, I was like, sweet. when I move out of here, okay, I'm getting a television, <laughs> you know, it's like now my parents have a television, but I was like, I was like, okay, there needs to be some balance. We've mm-hmm. got the books, we've got the records. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anywho. So when you went to uh, college, Case Western, you said, right? Earlham uh, uh, College in Richmond, Indiana. Okay, okay. Um, and you, do you still utilize, this is something that Norman and I talk about all the time. Yes. You know, do you use the education that you get from school or do you get your education from actually working? I'll... All of all of the above. Yeah, yeah, especially because uh, Earlham um, is a Quaker college, and um, uh, when I went as a perspective, I was trying to figure out sort of what was grabbing me so much, and I didn't realize that some of it is based in Quaker roots. Of um, things are done by consensus. Your your grade is based upon conversation and discussion. Mm. There's a lot of like trying to create circles and. Yeah. Um, and not have rows, and um, of course, it's like right a Quaker meeting house. A lot of progressive folks would would be invited to speak in the middle of Richmond, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then what was great for somebody that grew up in New England for so long, I was finally going to school with folks from the South and from the Midwest, yeah. and the West Coast. So I felt like I wasn't just in this East Coast, very sort of siloed with like privileged folks and working class folks, and. Yeah. Um, that were only, you know, sort of East Coast or immigrated to the East Coast. So, um, but uh, I feel like Earlham drew people that wanted to be of service. Mm. So I feel like Earlham did help influence my politics and and being of service and being active and and being creative. And I felt like, so going back to having a learning disability, so first I needed to figure out how to graduate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't know that there were uh, learned dis- disabled um, learned disability uh, departments in schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And thank goodness I got hooked up with one mm-hmm. because then I had a tutor. Yeah, and that really helped because yeah. I wouldn't have graduated. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I don't know what people did before. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to be a nine-year senior. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who can afford that? Exactly. I was like, I was like, n- yeah. nobody I know. Um, I, I thank God for the counselors that I had, um, both in high school and in NYU. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so 
so but so I would feel like um, I had because I had because I was trying to graduate because I wanted to get through school yeah. like I, I couldn't audition for anything um, my my creative writing voice was sort of quiet for a while so by the end of school it was coming back because mm. I was like okay now I am gonna graduate okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like so now I can do creative writing and mm-hmm. have like a, for my senior project like have a zine and write with other young women mm-hmm. and um, and be in a play that's yeah. sort of like um, that sort of has like a lesbian queer sort of sure um, uh, uh, under undertoned mm-hmm. sort of storytelling mm-hmm. dystopian um, and yeah and be and be more be more involved but that yes yeah, so that is my you know some people are like I was in plays all the time in college I'm like I just wanted to graduate no no oh. I'm saying I want to bring Radhika in because yes, as a te- <laughs> but as a teacher. We hear so many stories about students coming in. Even um, Margot Hall, we had her on. And she talked about how she went into the, you know, she wanted to have her own expression of Mm -hmm. what she thought theater was and Mm -hmm. what she wanted to do and projects she wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. And she was told by her, you know, the school, no, 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 we we don't do that. Um, I mean, did you find that? And I'm asking if you as an educator, but also, I guess, so the first question is, did you find when you went to school that it inhibits or the trouble of, of institutions inhibiting creative talent. Oh yeah. I did not get a BFA or MFA. So I have a degree in psychology, sociology, education. So my mm-hmm. final degree was in theater and education. So that was not practice based. So I didn't, Yeah. I didn't do that. I, I think I had that experience auditioning for shows where, you know, you're like, Hey, I'd like to play that part, you know, yeah. but why am I considered for the side part or the friend or the, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. every, every actor yeah. of color has that experience. But, or, but as an educator, yeah. um, because you bring, I mean, I'm sure you teach people from all sorts of cultures and all sorts of backgrounds and yeah. all sorts of mindsets as yeah. to what theater is. Oh. How do you sort of break those walls? Or let's say you have a student who may have a very walled off idea of what theater is. How do you, um, because, you know, I, because you directed me when we did the, uh, the Bay, um, Playwright Center for San Francisco. That was so fun. And mm. I thought, it, you know, your way and your style was very, mm. very uh, grounded and just... Um, checking in mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing where people are before mm-hmm. we just work on a project. Yeah. So I guess my question, it sounds Great abstract, question. but how do you deal with people who are sort of walled off? Actors who are sort of walled off. Oh, actors are walled off? That's yeah. like yeah. a, um, that's a, and, and sounds like Waldorf, but just walled, walled with a wall and, mm-hmm. yeah, right. and yeah. off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm very careful with directing now. I used to enjoy Playwright Center for San Francisco and I enjoyed working with you so much, Reg, and all mm-hmm. the actors there because I like working on new works. Mm-hmm. But actually, uh, through some of those experiences, I realized who can take a note and who cannot and who, mm-hmm. you know, um, as far as an audience experience is concerned with theater, it's like people have, I just met with a young woman mm-hmm. who I got connected through another and it's like she's she's young she's new to san francisco so i said hey let's go out for lunch and Mm -hmm. let's talk about you know your your goals and so she was like how come you never wanted to go to bollywood or why are you in san francisco why aren't Mm -hmm. you in la she didn't know anything Mm -hmm. turns out she's never seen a play okay so she don't acting was only big movies not even independent but big movies so she was like oh so you don't dance and sing so what do you you know Mm -hmm. what other kind of theater is there (laughs) so at that night, I happened to be 
on stage at the new conservatory theater for before the sword and i you know we needed to fill our seats too so we i offered her a comp yeah. and she was blown just like her mind was blown like it was just wow. she was like she'd never seen anything like that mm-hmm. and i didn't know how she would connect it wasn't a particular we all had british accents it was a period piece i was mm-hmm. like this girl going to relate but she was blown away it was a lesbian story mm-hmm. you know there's she just i think the the thrill of seeing action happening in front of you and people mm-hmm. emoting and there you know mm-hmm. i i don't don't think she knew what was going to hit her so i like the exposure part some of the work i do is what tina does as well like where we do medical acting where mm-hmm. we role play we simulate situations mm-hmm. and for medical school students so they yeah. encounter like quote unquote fake patients or in the corporate sector where they're learning about communications and mm-hmm. they're right. dropped into improvisational situations as well and yeah. they don't know how valuable our skills are until they're yeah. exposed to it so that's what i say but as a director i'm very i'm kind of i'm careful with my energy now because i think direction is a big task mm-hmm. and i don't like the hierarchy of american theater that's another conversation about mm-hmm. but i if i were to cast i always want to go against type mm-hmm. yeah. i all right. you you right. talked about that at nausea mm-hmm. i, oh, I yeah, yeah cuz i like I always want to go against type and I don't want to look at somebody and go oh that looks like this and right. and that comes from my educator mentality a, a teaching artist once said that but casting young actors but I bring that sense to adult actors too is mm. you want to give them something that's going to challenge them yep. but be within their zone of proximal development yep. like yep. not that's going to throw them <laughs> off but you know and so that's where my frustration i think grows in bay area theater and i've kind of made a promise now i'm choosing mm. <laughs> like if you're going to pay me that little mm-hmm. then i'm going to choose my parts too and yeah. mm-hmm. you know and speaking of choice <laughs> you know you made that choice where you were like you know you could have auditioned for a bunch of things right. where it doesn't represent you but yeah. you've sort of creating your own thing by the yep. way yeah. before the sword is this is fantastic you were wonderful oh, i saw it last you. night oh, it does deal with lesbianism but it also deals with a boy becoming a man mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, coming of time and challenging, you know, the father. We've been talking a lot during Mm. the Baldwin Project, Mm. this theme of the son must slay the father Mm. in order to advance Mm -hmm. and to, you know, develop and grow. And always being chafed under the thumb of the father is something you have to sort of overcome. Mm -hmm. And it's harder for for others, especially if you have a very oppressive father. And before the swords talk about that, uh, a lot of different PTSD and how, you know, just fathers and men just come from violence and war and mm. you know then it becomes abuse and alcoholism and addiction mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i so admire my way of mm. taking control is improv but i so admire what tina you do because you just created a whole show not only that but tina gives opportunities to other actors through your work in casting and has been such an ally and my i have an agent now because of tina so tina's creating opportunities for herself and other people but yeah. i i want to tell us how you got there because i want to be you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, exactly tell, tell us how you got yeah. into the bay yeah yes um thank you radhika <laughs> i'm uh I'm, I'm very humbled um i uh so i was touching upon this with reg um uh just when i came in which is um i mean i'm first going to credit my mom because I think that she was always a networker and then I guess my sister told me even when I was young I was like you just got to walk up to people and you just got to start talking to them mm-hmm. and just say hello and find out who they are so I think that there was something that I got around um you know feeling out a situation and then being like oh you 
you like to you like to be a clogger mm-hmm. like oh and right. you like to ride a bike and oh you like to sing in the opera okay how mm-hmm. can we make this all work mm-hmm. and um and it had nothing to do right with type mm-hmm. right it's about the love the joy the desire mm-hmm. the play you know if you're not enjoying what you're doing like i'm not sure why we should you know what why one should be doing it um so 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 uh, back in Boston before I moved here it was like you're a community networker you're sort of an <laughs> artist connecting <laughs> and then people in my non the nonprofit I work for were like you're a community talent agent <laughs> and then it was Every, everyone's trying to put a little label on you a little label and then um, I cannot tell you how many times in the casting world and from the folks that mentored me will say they'll be like casting directors and talent agents are two separate things Unless you are really creating sort of your own, sort of a bit of both. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I love telling the story, sort of formalizing it more, which is in 2010, it was like, uh, what happens if you just say yes? So um, there's this friend of mine, uh, Susan, who was like, who was like, well, I have a friend who's a casting director. Why not just, I think you know her, why not just ask her out for, you know, an, an Orangina at the cafe in, in, you know, in San Francisco and just uh, talk to her. So, and so I said, yes. And then I just sent my email out and she said, yes. And then I'm like, and I'm taking, would you like an Orangina? What would you like? You know, <laughs> um, and then she was like, well, what is your field? And I'm like, well, film and television. And so many people will sort of critique and be like, there's nothing in the Bay Area. What are you talking? But she was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. And she goes, why don't you contact these folks? Mm-hmm. They know you. Um, and I'm like, yes. You know, I, I knew some roses or flowers were heading towards these people that <laughs> helped me mm-hmm. say yes at some point, which mm-hmm. it did. Um, but essentially, taking sort of all of my networking, sort of freelance casting director skills and being able to um, have the joy and the honor and... Um, the gratitude of working with Nina Henninger of Nina Henninger casting for so many mm-hmm. years really helped kind of pave this road and f- figure out like who I am. Mm-hmm. And because I've seen so many casting directors that I love like Nina, um, uh, that we're sort of, we're, we're trying to sort of change casting, span cha- casting that eventually what started to happen for me and which was also powerful too is as soon as i turn i'm 54 as mm-hmm. soon as i turn 40 mm-hmm. i'm like they're right phone stop ringing yeah that, that, mm-hmm. it's true that's what happened okay is i went from kind of being like okay so don't tell people who, my age and my 40s and then well oh. i can't tell them when i turn 50s something just completely changed and i which is great and i was like um uh i I know I'm not in a great position. There's so many actors that have it far worse than me that mm. are dealing with all kinds of crap. So I actually, like, yes, of course. Like, there's all these rules that I want to always teach actors. Like, mm. no one's allowed to ask your age. You know, as an actor, it's better to have a sense of what your age range is right. than to have people ask all the specific questions mm-hmm. to sort of have a sense. Um, so there's that. But personally speaking, I was like, I want, first of all, I'm going to break all that crap up and just be like, I'm 54. 
Um, right. I'm, 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 I'm not, I don't have this feeling of like, and that's what this looks like. No, and this, this know, looks like, you know, it's not like, please think that I'm five ten and my, right. my feet are six feet to, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. I'm going to, however, when I'm doing solo performance, I feel six feet tall mm-hmm. and I feel right. 4'11", yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what I love so much about the theater. But, um, I went from sort of this idea of people going like, I want to like, and I'm, it maybe sounds like I'm being sarcastic, so I'll try not to put my little voices on it. But uh, people would be like, I want to go outside the box, and I want to expand. I really realized I wanted to just break it all and smash it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I saw how kind people were when they would be like, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, do you want me to write to, you know, my mm-hmm. agent or something? Because for me, I was like, this is what I want to do for everybody. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. So as a casting director, um, I didn't just want to go like, I just want to, you know, like color, color the edges or change the sides or mm-hmm. open it up. I'm like, no, I want to completely change it, yeah. completely change it. Because I just feel like mm-hmm. we we have a history of white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism and ableism within our whole history of performance. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to break it all apart and i want to help as many people as possible the power of i've never thought about the power of the 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 casting director you know because how you get in your foot in the door like let's say in the new conservatory theater or the strand or you know the exit theater or whatever it is um it could be shotgun i'm thinking about Mm -hmm. you can either do an audition like a cold audition nobody knows who you are from adam and the director is the person you're facing and he or she may have a preconceived notion of who you are and what your range is or you can have a casting director say hey i've seen that person work i've no reggie from here there whatever you know yeah he did the monologue but he can do so many other things yeah Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the director's like, "Okay, wow, Tina Delia really recommends him or her." So, I mean, Norman, have you have you worked? You've worked with casting directors before. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> casting directors, I, you know, I, I don't. They they are a strange creature to me. I, I do not pretend to understand them. Everybody is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that as an actor, I found myself when I was suddenly on the other side of the table, going, "Oh." I'm going to do the things that I like. I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated. And so I've had, over the years, I've had so many actors come back to me and say, you know, that audition I did for you was so great. And I'm like, you're talking years ago. (laughs) You're remembering an audition from years ago? I am in the bizarre position of people just randomly get in touch with me and are like, hey, are you free? Can you do this part? And I'm like, (laughs) what happened to... Come to the audition and do your monologue. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy that this is happening, but it's bewildering to me. Do you yeah. think that's a minority thing? Because I've been ha- that's been happening to me too, and and I don't know if this has happened to you as you've gotten older. So mm-hmm. like I also like in my forties. Well, so now yes. it's like yeah. because women drop mm-hmm. off in the act because they have kids. So sometimes yeah. it's hard. It's it's hard to find a middle aged actor, but then it's hard to find a middle aged actor of color sometimes and so i too have been just either ushered into callbacks Mm -hmm. um, not i mean for for some theaters but i'm like oh this is an interesting thing now whether i want to do the part or not that's a it's a question and then i and i then i also they think i'm the only one around whereas there's a sea of other like south asian actors Mm -hmm. and and you know somehow i've you know i've gotten into the Mm -hmm. non-indian acting scene and 
But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Now, for what do you, me, what is your for me, it's it's definitely thing? not that. I'm yeah. I'm getting asked to do stuff where like I, great expectations. I'm like, wait That's a minute, great. you want me to be in great expectations? Okay, you know, and much ado. Um, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm available, sure. But in all fairness, mm-hmm. uh, you have such a resume of classical work. Well, I do. So, you, so you know, it's not like, so it, you but that's, work. you know, but I, yeah. there were so many years where I was running around like everybody else, you know, it gets to be Shakespeare yeah. season, basically, mm-hmm. and you run around to everybody, yeah. and everybody knows you, and they're all smiles, and how are you doing, Norman? And if they happen to see something on Facebook, they reference it, and I've learned to pay no attention to any of that, because it's meaningless. Next thing, if I hear from them at all, is a, thanks so much for coming out, but we didn't you. So what's happening instead is these people just basically offering me roles. Um, Last summer, I did the Mime Troupe. That's great. And I had years of auditioning for the Mime Troupe and never got anywhere. You know, and and not I'm not blaming them. I I definitely went in a couple of times where I was so nervous, I just fucked up. (laughs) And they were like, okay, moving on. But suddenly they called and they were like, hey, well, we're going to have a problem this summer. So we want to know if you're available and if you'd be interested. And and I don't think we ever actually read. I think we talked. And the next thing I knew, I was being Michael Gene Sullivan. Congratulations. It's <laughs> awesome. amazing. Yeah. It was, it was, I was like, uh, okay. And it was because he had a conflict at the beginning of the summer. Mm. So they said, well, you're going to start the summer and then Michael will take over at some point. And I went, that's fine. And Michael was so overworked at that point that when he finally was free of the other show and they had had all these COVID, they had extra rehearsals, they put in rehearsals. They It was a musical. They actually did um, a concert performance one night because they had just, they'd lost somebody, replaced them, and then lost somebody else. And they were like, we're not performing. You guys are just going to stand on stage and sing. That's what's going to happen. So by the time that finished, he was exhausted, running down the peninsula, doing all that. And they did a week of rehearsal to get him ready to be put in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, they talked behind closed doors and went, you know what, Norman's doing great with this. And like, my name is on all the reviews. And they said, do you want to just do the whole summer? And I said, yes. Great. Great. And then two weeks later, I got COVID. Oh, <laughs> that happens. But you got your foot out the door, it. and they were they remember you. They, I had a great time. And yeah, well, and the fun. wildest thing, you know, people have questions about whether or not you're going to be equity or not. I'll tell you one thing: they had no choice. They had to come back to me when I was finally negative, and say, "Oh, are you coming back to the show?" And I said, "Yes, if I'm being invited back." And so you're not union. I am union. You are union. No, yeah. I'm union. And that's the thing. They they have to offer you your role back. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But these are roles, and it's been going on a lot in the last decade, where I'm just getting these parts, most of them not designated black. The few that have been a designated black character, I've been so grateful <laughs> to be able to play a middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. And to live that experience and to bring that experience to an audience. But I'm used to playing, oh, like Much Ado. <laughs> I'm playing some random dude in Italy or wherever the hell we were mm-hmm. in a that's vineyard. credit to the barrier scene has really yeah. evolved, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's, that's really been a joy, but it's wild. Spirit. So, yeah. no, the, to the yeah. question of casting directors, 
What I and it's funny because you had said something earlier about not knowing that they had so much power, and I'm like, I recognize that instantly. Mm-hmm. And I was going to piggyback on that in a good way. Mm-hmm. A casting director can bring in a lot of people who don't, who have no idea, no way of getting in the door. That's right. The door. Yeah. A bad way can be. A casting director can be sort of the gatekeeper, the new sure. gatekeeper. Yep, absolutely. Well, it is it. their job. It, both are their job. But what yeah. I love is they are artistic power and the ones that take that seriously. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. You know, the producer should be thrilled when you bring in some talent that they weren't thinking about. And mm-hmm. suddenly that shapes the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I know casting directors... That do not go and see shows, mm-hmm. and so and that and this really impacts minorities because then what they'll do, especially in the <clears> equity <throat> big houses, like then they'll mm-hmm. fill in the equity par- uh, parts from New York or LA, oh, right. and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, like there's talent and yeah. and so that there's this culture of like you come to me because I'm a casting director, yeah. but if you're a casting director, you should be absolutely going to see shows because yes. I mean I'm still of a certain age where I was. They weren't a lot like me. Now you look at the young people that are coming out. It's like there's scores of actors of color, non-binary yeah. actors, trans actors, like you know, people that are like actively talking about their disability. That are mm-hmm. like like proudly saying, "I'm not, you know, an able-bodied actor." And like, so mm-hmm. there's, there's conversations. And so if you're not going to see shows, you're not going to, especially if you're not going to go see script readings or like yeah. small houses you're right. not gonna or know playground. who's out there what playground playground yeah. is yeah. fantastic yes. playground's yeah. amazing playground yeah. is, is a great opportunity yeah, yeah. no you, you know you're absolutely right because if you are the casting director but yet you have your own field of people that you like yeah then it just becomes you know a little playground or a little you know um i don't know what you would call it but just your group Yes, that is very problematic. Yeah, and you have to fight against. And of course, I'm sure you you do the best you can to expand yourself to. And that's why you're involved in so many other different organizations, like Three Girls Theater. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of others that you Film, are. Film, TV, the medical act. Like you do everything. Yes, I tr- I try, I try, um, and I try to count every month like what I'm seeing, whether it is a stage reading, whether it's a produced play. But yes. Yeah. It must take a lot of energy because you have Overlook Latinas. I want to talk about that as well. But mm-hmm. you're doing so many things, I would think, because I'm 54 as well. <laughs> and it's tough having a day job plus doing the theater stuff. A lot of times I'm like, okay, I've done two stage managing gigs. I think I'm done for the year because mm-hmm. I can't take a month and a half more rehearsals and yeah. other things or whatever. But you find the energy of doing it, of doing all the other things, you know. Being on stage and also being the casting director and other projects. So, how do you find the energy? That is a great question. Um, I, uh, I I have a there's a tradition in my family. Most of us partake in it. It's something called naps. Yay! <laughs> I'm a Thank big you. fan of naps. I'm a big fan of naps. Yeah. And so, as soon as I'm in rehearsal and I get into production, mm-hmm. I'm very much like I'm already like putting my calendar where I know I'm like. You know, it's almost like I know I'm going to get up and, you know, I'm not sure if my pajamas will change or if I'll be wearing just comfy, <laughs> right? you know, because I'll have a whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like I'll, some work and then like how much I'll rest because um, Overlook Latinas is a great example. It's about 75 minutes um, and it's. I, sometimes I forget if it's 12 characters or 11. Um, it is constant movement. Yeah. It is mm-hmm. pretty much constant movement. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I have it down so that when I run off stage, mm -hmm. it's like I know how to like change my shirts really fast, get everything on with my mask and my glasses and my iPhone, and then come back out and we can take pictures together. Mm -hmm. But um, but I bring that up just because I'm like I realized uh, I was like I have to change those soaking yeah. shirts. So anywho, <laughs> a lot of information. But the point is that um, no, it's a good segue. But go ahead. Yes, that I uh, that I love the craft and the high impact and so yeah. to rest the body and the voice yes and then this is sort of becomes my teacher uh coach thing and then i'm like you're gonna miss out because uh usually when you are with people you want to put out a lot right and so i look at my schedule to figure out like can i go somewhere on a monday or tuesday and yeah. then that's it like you manage your energy yep it's have energy. to manage the energy, energy so that's management. that's yeah. what it is yeah yeah <laughs> Um, let's talk about Overlook Latinas. When did you start writing it? When did you, why did you, you know, why did it come to be? Uh, you know, what, what are you trying to, what, what is your message? Yeah, it came to be while I was uh, performing and developing different iterations of the Rita Hayworth of this generation, which mm -hmm. is my mm -hmm. third solo show mm -hmm. that I uh, won an award with my director, Mary Guzman, who I've worked with for 18 years Yay. at the Fringe Festival in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so because I'd done so much research um, around in the 30s and 40s and 50s, and I've been doing research around like Rita Hayworth, who was born Margarita Cancino, um, Spanish, probably uh, Romani. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Spanish, probably Romani, um, uh, mixed heritage um, uh, performer. And so I was really, I've always been fascinated in uncovering the past of like BIPOC, LGBTQ. Um, stories and lives and I really was interested in figuring out like there must be all these Latinx folks that were impacted by the McCarthy era and the more research I'll do I'll probably uncover more people and figure out where there's crossroads of like mm -hmm. I mean we definitely know of, of black actors performers writers and then sure. there's political people singers so so I'd spent a couple years before um, I think I and I've taken David Ford's classes since 2011 so he's mm. He's my go-to person as far mm -hmm. as, like, development and, and dramaturgy. So I do remember being in class in 2016, but I think I'd already taken the ideas in 2015 and done a few excerpts. So I knew that there was going to be a really serious aspect of um, showing the impact of the McCarthy era and uh, the Red Scare during the 40 during even during the 30s and 40s but the 40s sure. and the 50s and how it impacted um specifically latina but then also um i bring in ramon navarro how it um a very he was not totally closeted he was out at times as a probably one of our biggest sort of latino gay men mm -hmm. in cinematic history mm -hmm. um since he was famous in the silent films and um, from Mexico. And so uh, I, as I uncovered more and more history, I was really riveted and fascinated and was like, now how do I, if this was a television series, how would I make a television series, but then have a story around it? And then I'm, and I took the characters from the Rita Hayworth of this generation and I moved them into the future. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so the stage manager, mm -hmm. as I tip to the stage manager, Reg, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Angel Torres, a Puerto Rican Italian, Butch Dyke from Staten Island, mm -hmm. it was her story. And she's like, I'm going to pitch 
this pilot. It's going to be about the impact of these Latina stars during the McCarthy era. And there's a grant, they win from this, you know, I, I mean, I made it from NBC, but basically any sort of, you know, big mm-hmm. corporate and, you know, entity of, um, of uh, television. And so, uh, and the person that Angel worked with in the past, Carmelita Cristina Rivera, mm-hmm. Uh, who is the Rita Hayworth of this generation. Well, they left Carmelita behind in Vegas, not mm-hmm. so happy. She mm-hmm. was um, in debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly, Angel's sidekick and best friend Carla, who's 4'11", who comes out all the time, non-binary, Carla's like, Carmelita, we need you. We need you as the Rita Hayworth of this generation. Like, wonderful. I'm counting pennies. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been abandoned. Thank you. So, um, so... I work a lot in fiction, mm-hmm. and then I try to tell the story of actual history yeah. and education. So, in 2016, as I also was saying, I was in class with the amazing Fred Pitts at David Ford's class. It was the night of the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I was, like, depressed, horrified, crumbling, sad, and I suddenly was like, what am I going to do with Angel and Carla? And they're going to pitch their story to Mr. Bill Moskowitz. And suddenly it was like, great. Because uh, it's 2016, mm-hmm. and the start of the show is literally like January 21st, 2021. Thank God the election turned out way better this time. <laughs> so I had a lot of I had a lot of hopes that I could be mm-hmm. hurting because my characters are telling everybody for mm-hmm. the next four years that life will get better. On yeah. that note, yeah, right. Um, By the way, do you know that's my birthday? My birthday's inauguration day. So no way. Who's elected? I could be, could be really <laughs> oh, good <wow>. or bad. <laughs> oh my god! I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. I love that. So, and it's very, you know, and it's all very complicated. Of course, Angel married the Lena Horn of this generation, mm-hmm. and Lena finds her way into the show. She wants a baby by any means necessary mm-hmm. um, at all, and she can't stand Carmelita, of course, because mm-hmm. Carmelita wants Angel. So there's a little love triangle. I'm counting the, I'm counting the characters. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, there's somebody who thinks he's Ramon Navarro, who just comes in as, I'm Ramon Navarro, right? You know, and he, you know, perhaps... Perhaps he has a high sperm count. We don't know. But <laughs> Lena Horn is looking all about him. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Bomoskowitz is like, Lena and Horn, overlook Latinas. Lena and Horn was blacklisted. Angel, there's your thread. Mm-hmm. So now Angel's got to oh. direct her wife. Mm-hmm. Carmelita was supposed to be the star. Mm-hmm. Carla, the stage manager's nervous and eating mm-hmm. crumb bomb cookies and trying to keep it together. Ramon, everybody's falling for um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's very heavenly. And they're going to shoot their series. They get the green light. So when they say action, I go into the past and I play the characters of what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of how I break up the farce with sort of like the more serious political content of what's happening. And speaking of Bertolt Breck, when you brought him up earlier, mm-hmm. um, the star of um, of... Salt of the Earth, which is free on YouTube. Anybody can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the first oh, film that was banned in the United States during the Red yeah. Scare in the mm-hmm. McCarthy era. That they uh, that they uh, arrested Rosario Revueltas, the lead. Uh, she was deported. Mm. She went to Mexico. And um, because she was deemed as a communist, um, 
she was never allowed to be in film again in um she never came back to the United States of America and she was never allowed to be in film in Mexico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she really was sort of like the scarlet letter. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like great and where am I going to be working? So Bertolt Brecht sent her to Germany to work with him in political theater. Wow. What a connection. I didn't know that. So I I know it's a long you know, long story. Thank you for hearing all of it. What I love is... That's what a podcast is all about. podcast is all about. What I love is I love politics and history and mm-hmm. uncovering like sort of like Latina and the queerness of Dolores Del Rio being bisexual and Ramon Navarro being gay and, um, you know, how feminist Rosario Revueltas is as an artist mm-hmm. and that she knew her role was. Like this yeah. was one of the strongest sort of activist... Uh, migrant, uh, labor organizing mm-hmm. led, female driven, yeah, um, Mexican sort of like uh, icon that we had ever seen in cinema, mm-hmm. and the entire film was too, you know, of course, dangerous, yeah. Um, but then the but then the story behind that, and, and yes, the um, screenwriter director went to prison because he was part of the Hollywood, yeah, ten. Um, but the stories that we don't hear. Yeah, about folks, um, and there. Were, I mean, there were more real stories too, in terms of like what was happening on the ground in Mexico at the time with actual union workers that were Mexican migrants and burning down their yeah. union house. And so, for me, I wanted us to laugh in this crazy farce that, you know, of course, Lena is going to try to get pregnant with Ramon, and Carmelita is going to try to be with. Angel yeah. and it's like a soap opera. It's like it, a you it's know. a telenovela. Yeah, it's this queer telenovela. <laughs> um, and then we get to show the audience kind of break. You see the sort of TV show and how serious that is, and then we get to break back and be back in this crazy yeah. romp. And those are the kinds of stories that I want to tell because I wanted people to laugh. I wanted to get us through the the four years and beyond. Um, I wanted to have that relief. Uh, I wanted to create a show where no matter what point we are in history it's always going to connect like the backlash is is always sort of, is always there yeah and then you know and then sort of get and then give folks an opportunity to learn things that i didn't know mm-hmm. um and hopes that that's why i want people to cr- write their stories and create their stories and it, they, it doesn't have to be everything that happened to you mm-hmm. but it's you know depending on what's the thread you know yeah and, no it's, no it's interesting just just listening to this wow. because i can also see although I've never seen the show. Not yet. I'm sure you, when you put it back on, I'll get to see it. But I imagine you doing all these different characters and everyone saying, wow, Tina is, you know, is Lena Horn and she's this person and she's that person. And my God, I didn't know. I mean, what a showcase. I mean, when I think of being an actor, people will only see the character that I'm cast as. Right, right. If I'm lucky, I'm doing a bunch of characters. And I've done that before, you know, like there have been a couple of shows I can think of. Um, well, the show that you and I were in, Skin of Our Teeth, we played a bunch of characters mm, jumping around great. and doing a bunch of stuff. Forget and, that we did that together. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it was 2015, <laughs> eight years ago. Yeah. But in any case, well, what a way of showcasing, let's say someone in the audience could be a casting director or, you know, doing another thing. It's like, oh, wow. She, you know, I could see her doing that. And then mm-hmm. it's a great way of showcasing yourself. But I was also thinking, like, we've had Colwa Alpra on. We've had Fred Pitts on. Mm-hmm. We've had... Um, Jennifer Mealy on so many individuals and I tried to get Kat Brooks on but you know we had scheduling things mm. but there's a thing yeah. going on with one person shows The Marsh is mm-hmm. is dedicated well The yeah. Marsh yeah Marsh is definitely that's, that's their yeah. thing their home and, and you and I were talking off mic 
there are people who are using theater not just to tell your traditional theater story, but to talk about themselves or to talk about a subject matter yeah. mm-hmm. that you don't obviously see on, let's say, television or whatever. It sounds like the one-person show is like a medium all in itself. Yep. It doesn't have to be stand-up comedy. It could be dead serious. You know, Fred Pitts is using it for his thing. Jennifer Mealy is talking about what it is to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And the ups and downs and the dark humor and being angry with your husband because, you know, <laughs> I didn't ask for this. You know, it, it could be that. Or it could be, you know, Carolyn Doyle talking about raising a developmentally disabled child. Mm-hmm. And that was her one-woman show. There are people who are like, you know what? I've got a story inside of me. Yeah. I've got to tell it. And it sounds like you did the same thing. And you've been doing the same thing. I mean, this is like your third one-woman, one-woman show. Overlook Latinas is my fourth. Your fourth. Yeah. Yay. See? What is it about the medium, the woman that that speaks to you? I think it speaks to that kid, but with the with the puppet show and the puppets. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think it speaks to that 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 uh, that early on, I having that sense of humor of sort of switching from switching from character to character mm-hmm. and and having a dialogue back and forth yeah. and um and wanting to play more than one, and I think it holds my attention, mm-hmm. and I think it's a bit of how I. My dad will storytell. I think that's just natural. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be, he'll be like, and then he was the dog, and then he was the older woman walking mm-hmm. by, and then he right, was right. the. So right, like, right, right. so sort of growing up, I would be like, well, that's how to tell a story. I, right. I got it, you know. Then I got to be the dog, and then I'm the person walking by, and then mm-hmm. I'm honking the horn. So for me, um, I right, I I I enjoy I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and and yes, I think there probably were a lot of voices coming mm-hmm. out of me and my siblings and yeah. Um, and, uh, my parents, um, in fact, <laughs> there are times where we'll, we'll, folks will be like, and then Tina, I'm back to Tina. I'll be like, okay, right. Like, okay. Yes. I'm back to Tina. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, I feel like that it, it very much speaks to the mm-hmm. ways that I, that yeah. I, uh, love to communicate yeah. on a stage. It's a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, Certainly, yes. If somebody was like, I'd, I'd like you to come in and present and, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to te- teach about like public speaking, you know, probably not a lot of the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the voices come out, but the energy might come out. Sure. Um, I just think that uh, going back to being influenced as a child by the Marx Brothers and Tom Lair, I think what I loved was the wordplay. Oh, yeah. I loved mm-hmm. the rapid fire. rapid fire. Yeah. Um, I loved sort of playing with character, mm-hmm. um, you know, embodiment of different kinds. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, it's not that I don't love um, drama. I mm-hmm. just think that intuitively that's what well, that's, I, where, that's your, that's where I go. Energy. Yeah. That's your energy. It is my Storyteller. energy. Storyteller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I have a question about that. I don't know how much time we have. We have plenty of time. So, <laughs> ah, <laughs> just bring your mic up a little bit. <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, as, like, a person that acts with other people, and, like, whether it's improv or, a, you know, a play, I'm always with other people, and I find that really comforting, yeah. and I enjoy it. So, I mean, there's a part of me that, would love to do a one-person show. I feel like that's a aspiration, but I, I don't know. Like I'm intimidated by the what seems to me, the loneliness or the aloneness. And how do you deal with that? Um, you know, especially because you created all the material. You're not, mm-hmm. yeah. Like how, how do you deal with that? And who's your crew to keep you accountable? I know you named David Ford, who's a yeah. great teacher and mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Um, 
uh, I always quote Margot Gomez when she was like, you know, the cast parties get, you know, sometimes they get really lonely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, um, uh, yes, I can feel a lot of loneliness if I don't know what I'm seeing Mary Guzman, mm-hmm. my director, because every time we work together, every time mm-hmm. we laugh, even if I cry, whatever's going on, I always laugh. And then I realize how close we get to the stage manager, you know, whoever is running tech. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, that's what's a, like, I realize happens. It's sort of like, we're going to be fast friends, family. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I, I do, I need, I need other people. And then it's like, I have, have like, my friend Lyrilyn in Boston, and then my friend Adam in New York, and then there's some other solo performers we will trade, and I need them too because some people know my style enough right. and have and have some dramaturgical uh, good feedback. Some people are more directors, some people are more writers, but some mm-hmm. people kind of have a bit of all of that in going towards, which helps. Um, uh, also, um, I this is my thing about sort of storytelling solo performance is um some people have reached that point where they they can kind of go out on their own and do it but i'm not that person i feel like no matter what i'm i'm gonna be like mary i'm you know mary i'm paying you where are we gonna work together Mm -hmm. like it just really so Mm -hmm. i need i always need like a connection and a home base and everything Mm -hmm. even if i had to you know go across the country somewhere and perform and i wasn't gonna see mary um uh i'm sharper i'm i'm always uh better um i love working with other people so it is really different and most solo performers will tell you it's really hard to rehearse alone because yeah. you're rehearsing alone a lot. Yeah. 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 I, I had a quick yeah. question. Yes. Because, and it's one that I've asked a bunch of other folks who do solo performances. Yeah. Really, for both uh, you and, uh, you know, I'm pointing to Radhika and, <laughs> Norman. and Norman directors, because a lot of solo performers will say the interaction between the director and the mm-hmm. solo performer is almost therapeutic. Because, you know, you're mm-hmm. trying to, especially when you talk about serious stories or, or what have you, or even the comedy, because the comedy is still coming out of you. Yeah. Um, have you, have, either of you have had to direct one person shows? Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you found that yeah. you sometimes play the role of, not necessarily a psychiatrist, like something's wrong, but to sort of get into the, well, let's talk about why are you talking about this, or yeah. does it does it dwell into psychology or, or psychiatry to try to create... I- I, I suppose, but I, I, I tend to think of it more from a dramaturgical. Mm-hmm. And what I mean specifically by that is I want to know what the voice is of this writer. And that's that's the distinction I always make. So there's, and I think of it in terms of Dante. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, um, you know, there's Dante the poet who is going through purgatory and then hell. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that Dante. And then there's Dante the writer who is creating this story. So mm-hmm. there's character in the story and then there's a the person creating it. Mm-hmm. And I always say that to a solo performer. I, I want to know what that writer, that creator is trying to make. Mm-hmm. And then I can talk to you about what you're doing to accomplish that. And maybe you offering something that you hadn't, the writer hadn't thought about. And we want to see if we want to put that in. And if we don't, then you need to be aware of it. There's this cool other thing and we're going to, we're going to find a 
skillful way to edit that out. And every writer is different, and every solo performer is different, so there isn't just one way to do it. So right. that's my way of dealing with it, is just to say, I want to talk to, I want to see it on the page, I want to see what that is, I want to wrestle with it the way I normally do as a director, mm -hmm. and I want to deal, interact with you as the as the actor, mm -hmm. and then I want to have a converse, separate conversation with the writer. Yeah. What about you, Ronica? I mean, how do you take a piece from a, you know, a one-person show, yeah. but make it into an art form? Because sometimes, you know, writers yeah. may not know how to structure it. Yeah, that's right, because the people that I've worked with um, have written their their show, and then they're acting it, and so, um, yeah, it's it, one is to, to, like, there comes a time when you just have to respect the script that you so beautifully wrote, and that, so you, you're the mirror saying, it's it's okay, you don't need to change that word, this word is wonderful, mm -hmm. like, flip that brain, so that's the psychological work of, okay, now become an actor, and, you know, somebody wrote it. And the other thing is passing on, like, because you, you're the first audience member. It's just more intimate. I think mm -hmm. it's no different from another show, but it's just more intimate because it's you and the other person. So, mm -hmm. yes, there is that, those conversations that happen. And mm -hmm. But then it's, and I haven't worked with extremely experienced solo performers, just Tina, but more folks that are earlier on in their journey or they've done other plays and they haven't done solo. And so it's this idea of like using the space, you know, mm -hmm. or, yeah. mm -hmm. or that it's a story that you're just telling, but now it's going to be a story that other people understand, you know? So it's, it, it, again, it's that, that shift from playwright to now I'm going to perform this mm -hmm. and, and say, Oh no, that's not too much. No, that's great. Or, but I do think that as a director, um, when, when I'm directing a, a, a play, play another play, mm -hmm. then I I have the play. It's it's a great play, and I I want to tell the story, but I feel more free, um, and it's a different freedom. But when I'm working with the solo artist, it's their sh it's their show. Mm -hmm. I owe them something, so there mm -hmm. has to be a more of a collaboration. I'm not going. What feels right for you? Mm -hmm. Not. I think you should move stage up or here. It's like, mm -hmm. this would be my suggestion to bring out the story, but does this feel good? It feels more sacred. Like you're mm -hmm. handling somebody's... And a lot of these these works are autobiographical. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to futz around with, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. that it feels very sacred to me. So yeah. in that sense, it is... Yeah, uh, so Tina, like, uh, the person who's directed you, I mean, do you have that sort of intimate relationship? I mean, has it worked well, yeah. the yeah. director? Yeah, I feel... In incredibly grateful and fortunate that I tell Mary Guzman, I'm like, you have changed my life mm. um, because I think I met Mary. I met Mary in 1998. Mm. Mm. When you first came here. When I first came here. And, um, and then, and we, and I did a little film work with her because she is an award-winning filmmaker, mm -hmm. and she did the first um, Latina lesbian film feature film uh, called Desi's Looking for a New Girl that came out. I want to say two thousand and one. Mm -hmm. We really hadn't had one like sort of yeah on the circuit, and she's done a lot of great shorts. And so, um, so we were so, right. We were getting to know each other. I love her wife, Fontana Butterfield. I had been in a class with Fontana. Fontana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so she even saw like a. Uh, class work that I had done and Fontana had done in a workshop uh, with um, Anne Galjour in the early 2000s. So what was helpful was first starting out and, you know, sort of working together, Mary and I, and we were becoming friends. Um, 
what's amazing is through time, because I feel like I was able to, uh, once I got into David Ford's class in 2011, mm -hmm. and David was really gracious because I was like, Mary just wants to see how this works. She won't say a word. And he was like, sure. So Mary came in one time and she was like, okay, this is blowing my mind. This is great. And so knowing like how David works in his, mm -hmm. um, in his dramaturgical development. And then even though people will ask Mary and say, did you write this with Tina? And Mary will say, no, what's great is though, as a director, she can say to me these 18 years and be like, this scene is not landing. Mm -hmm. So if I need her for a word or mm -hmm. I need her for a phrase right, or, yeah, or right. why this joke isn't working, like uh, that, I, I need her, like, I'm looking to her for that. And I'm, you trust her. And I trust her, because I'll put on the audio, and I'll be like, I'll try this way, I'll try that way, I'll try mm -hmm. this way. Um, so... So they're uh, like an editor. Like, yes. Like, it's like an author and their editor that you've yep. got a long-standing relationship with, because yep. they know you so well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. So I feel like that can happen in having a long-term relationship with a director who knows your work and your mm -hmm. shtick and how you work. Um, at, like years ago, I would start pulling Mary onto the stage and I go, okay, so you're him and I'm her and you're him and they're right. them and mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to move this here and then I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and that also worked too, you know. Like I'm sure there are some directors that are like, "I will never move on to the stage." <laughs> you know, like, I don't know who those people are, sure. but it helps so much because again, um, if Mary's trying to give me an action and I can't seem to break through, yeah. and I'm having to do it all on my own, um, versus when you improv it with somebody else, mm -hmm. you try it this way, you try it that way, you try this right. way, you try it that way. Mm -hmm. It's great to be able to go, "Oh, okay, so I'm moving," the, you know, like I'll. But, you know, it's it's like learning how to open a door, but there's no door there. Right. You might go over the door a couple of times. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Um, so I feel incredibly grateful because uh, if there is a piece of writing or a scene or something that's not working, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know if every writer feels like they can do this, but I feel like I can do it with Mary because yeah. uh, I feel like she's, you know, she's... It's that respect. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I take it the traditional director cannot direct a one-person show because they may have too much input without gaining the trust. There are a lot of directors who just will say, listen, do this, do that. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. it's almost like they're a general <laughs> in an army. And, you know, I'm like, as an actor, well, can we at least talk about this? And, but it's good to have that, that, that wonderful, where the trust is earned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's earned your trust. Yeah. That's very yeah. nice. Yeah. I have a, I have a playwright friend that, you know, this is playwrights in general. They don't have the freedom to choose the director. They really don't. The artistic right. directors do. Right. And so there's a lot of like playwrights of color or queer playwrights, but then the, the director comes in the middle and they're not, you know, they're mm -hmm. whatever, like, you know, off the majority, you know, whether it's like straight or, you know, or white or whatever it yeah. is. And I feel it's solo work. You have more control mm. over that, it's, or at least in the, in the Marsh situation. And you come in, you know, you're a package and, right. and you, um, yeah. Is that something? Yeah. So you're producing your work, though, right? Like, is that financially? You're producing and Marsha's, and then you pay Marsha a cut. I mean, that they pay it um, of the, the ticket sales. How does that work financially? Um, that I I pay my director. Yes, you. Pay. And they they pay their um their their tech, 
and then it's the door. They take the they take, they, they take a portion of the door, and then I take after that portion. So you're of the not door. renting the space. No, that's excellent. That's a that's that's, excellent deal. That's another thing. Yeah, I have a, I have a friend actually. Do you know Michael Phyllis? He does a he does Miss Patty from HR, mm-hmm. a one person drag show, mm-hmm. and that's how he's made his work financially. He just produces, and it's financially viable for him. Mm-hmm. It'd be really fun to have him on the show because drag's like a whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and I just I don't know what the headspace to produce. You know, I've been wrestling with myself, yeah. but I feel like financially it solves a lot of problems. I bet you feel more respected because mm-hmm. you have more control over your you know. Yes. Business part of it. Yeah. Yes. Um, sometimes. Yes. Sometimes I do, and I also feel like I'm really grateful for developing different relationships with theaters, yeah. so that I feel like I learning their style, learning yeah. the Bravo style, the Marsha style, theater mm-hmm. rhinoceroses style, right. um, and uh, what different right theaters have to offer. Also. Um, Working with people and learning how to get grants. I used to get smaller grants and now getting slightly bigger grants. So that's another thing that really helps. And oh, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's no middle person. You cut the admin out of it. Or yeah. Anything. Right. Right. <laughs> I was going to ask you some more questions, but we are running a little yes. long. Yeah, we are. So where do you see yourself in the future? Where, where are you going to... Um, where will Overlook, I'm sure Overlook Latinas will have another, will run again. Yes. Um, and I don't, and I don't know, you know, I used to be like, I'm, you know, like I'm going to take it to New York. It has to be, and I'm going to take it to LA. And I kind of feel like it will have just you, go have anywhere. You, has you, have you filmed it? Have you filmed it? I've never, I've never filmed it. Um, I did write a pilot of it. Okay. Mm. Um, I was wondering about that. Yes. I, I, thank you. I did write a pilot of it and uh, I feel like. I would really have to take a class, just write a whole entire series and do it because I love it. Like I used to be like, you know, like what's going to happen? Will it ever be made? And I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it because I love it. Mm-hmm. See what happens. But um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I'm excited. Usually Overlook Latinas does always come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, I'm working on a new a solo show called The Breakup, a Latina queer torch song. And um, <laughs> yes, I'm excited. And that will premiere at Bravo Theater in December of 2024. Oh, awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let us, let us know about that. I'm excited. Yeah, please. Uh, all that right. Sounds... Thank you. Well, that's, you know, that's wonderful. And, uh, and Ronica, thank you for coming on. And you, so, so Sunday excited. is the last, Sunday matinee is the last one for Tomorrow, for Sunday. The story. Yes. Yeah. And we have one show tonight. And uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. No, Yay. that's going to be awesome, folks. Ooh. If you are listening to this and you can see Before the Sword, please do. You know, you do a great job. Uh, the actor, uh, the lead actor who, uh, the bearded guy. Uh, um, Adam Kuvi Neiman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Love Adam. No, everyone does a fantastic job. Uh, you know, he does a wonderful job. And uh, so you guys should be very, very proud. Yeah. I will let him know that. Has yeah. he come on this podcast? No, please. Nope. Invite oh, him. okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Invite all three of them. I feel bad for the uh, the one actor who plays the father because he's like, he just seems one-dimensionally bad. I mean, I know there's an arc where he's, you know, <laughs> he has pain inside, but he just... Yeah. You know, but in any case, hopefully our audience doesn't hate him too much. No, it's an actor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Birthdays. Hopefully. Yeah. Geez, I, if I'm playing the villain, I want people to hate me. <laughs> uh, birthdays. Today is Casey Jones Bastion's birthday. Uh, we met in a theater that doesn't exist anymore, The Willows, out in Concord. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a connection with The Willows. Uh, there's a guy named Corey Bytoff who wrote... Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Musical. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had to simulate a chainsaw. Computer. Right. Okay. To bring that ahead. up. Yeah. yeah no, uh, we, we met doing Once Upon This Island. <laughs> uh, we got to do a couple of shows out there. And then 
we just sort of bounced around. She was living in Oakland for a while, and now she's living up in Richmond. And I got to bump into her so not too long ago. But today's her birthday. Uh, Matthew Happy Balin, birthday. Uh, his birthday is maybe today. It's today or tomorrow. Um, he's an actor with what is now Spark was Livermore uh, Shakes. Um, Matt, I can't say Matt's last name. Zeman Zemanowski. People must massacre his name all the time. Anyway, we met through uh, Each One Reach One um, going into Juvie, and yeah, he great. is a filmmaker. Um, and I'm not sure he's even local anymore. Uh, I will leave this one and see if you've got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolanda Denis, um, wonderful actor, Bay Area actor, uh, and I think has a recurring role on Blind Spotting. So great. Yeah, She's going to be at the sh- at Shotgun. Too. Is she? Yeah, in Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, sweet! Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, she yeah. grow is yeah. great. Uh, Paige Rogers' birthday is coming up this oh, week. Yeah, we had her on. Hi, yeah. I, and I was looking to get ready for this, and I think she's living in like Poland right now. I'm like, wow. yeah, she is. Okay, Something, yeah, sure, yay. Uh, Yolanda Bradshaw, who I'm not sure I've ever actually met, but um, Bay Area actress. Um, Elijah Waller to go to the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. of my relationships. Last year, I got somebody got in touch with me. Oh, an actor who I still have not directly connected with yet, mm-hmm. but his son was applying for colleges and he wanted a coach. And so I ended up hey. Elijah Waller. Mm-hmm. His birthday's coming up in a few days. Um, so one of the youngest actors that I know right now. I'm Allison Luderman, a wonderful playwright. Hey, we've had and, on. Yeah, a couple of years ago, she, um, a couple of years ago now, she got a poem in, uh, God, I want to say like the New Yorker or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's a prolifical uh, <clears throat> poet. Now, I usually get emails from her where she'll send poetry, and uh, she wrote a wonderful piece called The Chain, which was part of Musical Cafe that was back in 20, oh. I want to say 18, mm-hmm. and I was in it. So, ah. Allison, happy birthday to you. Yeah. And uh, the last one I have is William J. Brown III. Uh, Will. It, wh- oh, his is coming up, right? It's coming up um, probably the Friday, I think. Yeah, uh, that's the last one I have on my list. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, happy birthday. And I can't wait to see what he's up to. In fact, I got in touch with him because perspective is yeah. no more. And I was like, so what are you doing now? And he's like, you wouldn't think it, but it's a lot of work to cut, shut down a nonprofit. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> hope you get some time to act and direct again because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed working with him. So I did so, too. Those are my I birthdays for the week. My birthday is um, <clears throat> so I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and uh, another one who graduated with me was Elizabeth Croydon, who is also doing a uh, one-woman show. She's a stand-up actress, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Her birthday is a couple of days. Um, it, it was the twelfth. So that oh, is the that two was days ago. my birthday mm-hmm. exactly along with you, <laughs> and um, also another Ellen tonight uh, who I think she's not involved in acting anymore. I think she moved to the Midwest. I think she's in farming now, but she was a wonderful mm-hmm. actress, Jen Furlong, uh, October the thirteenth. Also October thirteenth, we uh, had her on Carolyn Doyle. Yay! Great. Uh, I talked about her one woman show, uh, where mm-hmm. she talks about her and her uh, developing disabled uh, son, and you know, uh, raising him. Mm-hmm. So she was very, very forthright and I uh, taught telling her story mm-hmm. and she has a fundraiser. She has a super excellent birthday fundraiser for support the families hey. of children with disabilities. Okay. So yeah. uh, I'll try to get a link so that people can donate to that. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Also, uh, on the 15th, Christine Urin. Yay! I love Christine. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, she did your poster? Poster, and she did uh, costume design, both on Overlook Latinas and the Rita Hayworth of this generation. Exactly. Christine's and great. Amazing. my room is filled with posters. Oh. A lot of them were done by Christine Urin. Wow. Amazing. Cool. She's an incredible uh, artist and an incredible writer. I wanted her, uh, her scripts. She specializes in doing um, original Victor- original pieces based on the Victorian period. That's oh, great. Nice. Yeah, no, she's mm-hmm. excellent. Um, my sister, Nicole, her birthday's on the 15th. Sis. Happy birthday, Nicole. Birthday. Uh, on the 16th, I think you saved that one for me, Taranj Yagazarian. Yep. Yes. Crazy. Partly just because I wasn't going to mangle another bad uh, last yeah. name. Yagazarian, Yagazarian, I think it's Yagazarian. Yagazarian. Yeah. There's Yagazarian. an I in the middle. Ah, uh, yeah. And she is a director, I think she runs um, Theater Yugen. No, you? she was no. She stepped down from Golden Thread, and okay. now she is an actor and playwright, and yep. I guess Great. director. She's All freelancing. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's... Paige Rogers. Uh, you mentioned her. Um, also, Aaron Martinson. I worked with him. Uh, we did what did we do? It was the last East Center show that I was ever in, and he mm. was in that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy birthday, Aaron. Uh, that was on his birthday is the 16th. On the 17th, uh, Damaris DeVito. Uh, I've acted with her um, in, I want to say, Dragon Eggs. Uh, she was a um, veteran actor for Dragon Eggs, and she was in my piece, um, uh, Judicial Process. We, we did for the Breck Project. That was in 2020. Um, also, Dale Murphy. Uh, Dale Murphy, we talk about how actors... Um, you know, the tapestry of theater and how people, Dale has gotten me several jobs in the Bay Area. I acted with him, uh, Bat Boy the Musical, mm. and then he's gotten me several other jobs. So, Dale, happy birthday to you with your blue beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very cool. And, um, and the last person, um, well, Lauren Hayes, uh, that's a actress that uh, we were on. In fact, Lauren Hayes. Yes, you remember Lauren Hayes? I love Lauren Hayes. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing actor. these days. Yeah. She yeah. was the, uh, the ingenue in uh, Skin of Our Teeth. Yeah. Great. Mm. yeah. Beautiful singer and um, an actor. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just fantastic. October the 20th and uh, also October the 20th, Jeremy Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a poster called The Marriage of Bet and Boo and he was uh, the... It's a wonderful Christopher Durang uh, dark comedy about dead babies and all that fun stuff. And mm-hmm. he was the lead actor for that. And do you know Alan Kismorio? He's great. Yes. Yeah, His birthday. Great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's the 20th. He's amazing. Oh, I thought I wrote it. Director and actor. Damn yeah. it. Yeah. I thought I put that one down. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Good human. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. He's, he's been on the A2. So. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Alan, I'm sorry I m- m- missed you. <laughs> Me too. No, I meant to put it down. All right. Shows. Um, do you have a Monday Night Playground is coming up? Uh, we're beginning our season this Monday, yep. the sixteenth, um, seven o'clock, I believe, at the Freight and Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who are not familiar, you should check out a playground show. You get to see an amazing array of Bay Area talent. Matt Kimberly Ridgeway has a piece in there. Does okay. she? Oh, yes, she does. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm on the selection committee, so I know. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just get my cue for Alan Q. Speaking of uh, Kimberly Ridgeway, she is a member of the Grady Fellowship Program um, by Three Girls Theater. So yes. She's, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you Yay. were talking, Tina, we were talking about that you had read one of Kimberly's pieces. Yes. While I was on the train heading mm-hmm. from in Massachusetts, heading to see my sister on the West Coast, and I was like, oh, this is so good. We've got to have Kimberly Ridgeway's play, Soulmates. Yay. I love it. Yeah. She'll be doing a reading next year. Yes. 
Um, you've got Fred, I assume. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, um, aren't you at the Marsh? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that play. Ain't Misbehaving, which I just went to see last night at the Dean Lesher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mara is in the pit, and right. it's not a pit. It's the band at the very back of the stage. It's sure. weird, but the trombone comes through, no problem. Right That's on. Great. Um, Golden Thread Reorient, um, which yes. is just open last night and is running through November fifth. It's a new works. Okay. Thing Can that they're doing. Um, I don't know anyone who's in it, but I'm okay. hoping that we will get them on the show before the end of their run. That would be wonderful. So I just I just responded to that email. So gotcha. You've got that. Cool. Um, and I think those are the only ones that I have. Elizabeth this time. Carter's show is another. Uh, uh, Georgia McBride. I yeah, did. Yeah, I have that. Right. I have that there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So I'll uh, give my list. Of course, you've got to see before the sword. Uh, the last show is tomorrow. Uh, there's a show tonight and tomorrow. The wonderful Radhika Rao is in it as Yay. well as Kevin. Donovan uh, and a bunch of other great actors. We have a link, so you don't have to type anything. Just mm-hmm. click on the link, and you can see the um, see details of the show, and you can buy your tickets. Yeah, The Legend of Georgia McBride. The center rep is uh, doing that. It's at the Lesher Center for the Arts. That's the physical place mm-hmm. that runs November the fourth through the twenty sixth. Jed Presario is in it. Alan Coyne is in it because Alan Coyne is in everything. <laughs> Elizabeth right. Carter is directing the show, and we have a link to that. Excellent. Central Works is doing the uh, Engine of Our Disruption. I love Patricia Milton's work, so mm-hmm. I just, this is, uh, I don't know, has Patricia been on your show? No. No, please. Patricia yeah. Milton is just a treasure of the Bay Area, mm-hmm. just incredible playwright, so I just want to do an extra pitch, and I've worked at Central yeah. Works as well. Great, great space in the Julia Morgan building in yeah. Berkeley. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Central Works, is uh, they do fantastic yeah. work, and of course, yeah. Gary Graves is directing it. Yep. Jens Leifler is in the show, so uh, click, uh, check that out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, put in a good word for Patricia Milton to uh, yeah. to mm-hmm. come on the show. Yeah. Uh, the South Bay Musical Theater is doing Rent. Uh, that opens September the 30th, and it closes October 21st. Mm-hmm. Stephen McLeod and James Jones, both of them mm. have been on uh, the Yay, and they're in the show, so check that out. Okay. Fred Pitts, Aren't You? We've Yay. talked about that, the one-man show. Which just keen, continues to run mm-hmm. and run and run uh, for all the good reasons. Uh, yep. It it closes October twenty first. So next weekend, right? Exactly. So check and that it's out. right now. It's a two o'clock show. Is it a four o'clock show? I can't remember. It's a it's a daytime show or five o'clock show. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, there'll be a link. So yeah. uh, click on the link. Mm-hmm. Z Space is doing Citizen mm-hmm. uh, that opened on the, uh, that opens on the eighteenth. It closes November the twelfth. Carolina Moronis is in Yay, that show. Fabulous. Yay. I, I acted with her and we did um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. Oh, that's great. Which oh, I wonderful. love that. Yeah. yeah so great. there's a link there. Um, Echo Yamamoto is in yes. a couple of things. She's been on a tear this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is probably, re- um, no, oh, oh, it opened. It opened uh, two days ago. Disenchanted. Which is Jeez. a, uh, <laughs> a oh the warp, Disney thing, a right? warped tale of Disney. Yeah, uh, Great. so check that out, San Jose Playhouse. So that opens that opened over, uh, October the twelfth, closes November the fifth. Also, after that, she will be doing Sleeping Beauty at the Presidio Theater. Great, wow. love Sharon Chow too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sharon Chow is in that as well. Uh, Sharon is excellent. Yeah, and Echo, um, Nollywood Dreams. Check that out at the San Francisco Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Angel Edadokin and Tanika Baptiste are in that show. It opens September the 28th and it closes November the 4th. Also, um, this is one thing. Uh, we have another sponsor, okay. Charles Blades Barbershop. Thank you ah. for supporting the yay. Charles Blades Barbershop is located at 182nd Street in downtown Oakland. It's a very cool, relaxing place where you can get your cut. 
And it's on, oh, on Second Street. Yeah. Charles. Okay, so I, I think I've been there. Charles you Blades Barbershop. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Charles is also selling men's hairs product. I have a product holding uh, that I'm holding in my hand. Uh, we have a link. So uh, cbbgroomingproducts.myshop.com. Yeah. Just click on the link. He sells hair gels, pomades, shampoos, and conditioners. Hop online, give the products a try, and support minority businesses mm-hmm. like Charles Blades. Thank you for supporting. And the they even serve Yay. you a complimentary drink. Yeah, That's they do. Lovely. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I wish. And, I and, and it's not just men's haircuts. They they have a there's a woman barber as well. So great. They, they oh. do women's cuts as well. That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, there are a couple of other podcasts. Don't just listen to ours. Uh, Barry Graves has the Black Man's Heart. So mm-hmm. check that out. Excellent. Uh, Mallory Samara, uh, her day job is KCBS Radio when she's not helping us out. And uh, she is producing As Prescribed. It's a weekly conversation with leading medical experts at UCSF Medical Center. And it's generational. It's a podcast where she talks to several people from different generations about certain Mm. topics like dating or, you know, music and how the other generations are. Uh, And Central Works has the Central Works Script Club. It's a podcast where you can download or read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with a playwright. It's delivered semi-annually. Aaron Henney, we had him on. He is the artistic director of Theater Dybbuk in L.A. He uh, did a bunch of plays. He did a bunch of plays uh, for Central Works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a Jewish-themed uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, theater, theater company. company. Yeah, And they have a podcast called The Dibicast. Through a combination mm-hmm. of performed readings mm-hmm. and interviews with artists and scholars, The Dibicast brings those creations in their historical context to life, all while revealing their relationships to issues still present today. Mm-hmm. And then Bindlestiff has The Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant Yay. stories. Check out The Fobcast mm-hmm. on any podcast app. We have Yay Jerseys. We have White, Black. So it's $30. Uh, Kim Donovan <laughs> showed a picture <laughs> yes. of one. And uh, we had Catherine Park on uh, last week, and she bought another one. Mm-hmm. So that was very nice. So thank you for, so much, everyone, for supporting the Yay. That is it. Ladies, did you enjoy yourselves? <laughs> loved Great. It. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Reg. Thank you, thank you Norm. Yay. Happy. Thank you, Radhika. Yay. Yay. Yeah. No, it's just awesome. Really, really wonderful conversation. And we ran a little bit long, but I, I love those these longs, <laughs> these long conversations. <laughs> um, you're listening to us already. We're on all Apple Podcasts, that purple podcast on your iPhone. We're on uh, Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, and now we're on Amazon Podcast. Just go on to music.amazon.com, search for The A, and you will find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. Uh, we're not using X or slash Twitter. <laughs> I'm I'm still on there, but it's a it's a it's yeah. a shit show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just... We are on um, Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm at the Red Space uh, Red Space Clay. Well, I'm still at Hoosier Hoosier. Okay, but um, but you you have a you have a um, my Instagram. Instagram it, but I my Instagram and the relationship between them and Facebook is all weird now. It's interesting. So when I don't I know post what's on going Instagram, on. It automatically posts on Facebook. Well, that's what I'm. No, I've been I lately. It won't let me post on mm. Instagram and post it to Facebook. Oh, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and, on um, Facebook, I'm just me. Yeah. <laughs> Tina, you have a, a website, tinadelia.squarespace.com. Yep. Ronica, you have rodicarow.org, I believe. There you go. And yes. uh, you're also on Instagram, Tina Delia SF. Yep. And Ronica, you're on Instagram, Ronica Rao 77 Yep. Anything else? Any other uh, social media stuff? 
don't know. LinkedIn, if somebody wants to give me a job yeah, that pays job. well. Sure. Yeah. You can always find me, Tina D'Elia, on LinkedIn. Yes. TinaD'ElliaConsulting.com. Yeah. And yeah. 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 I'm on LinkedIn as well, although I'm I, I'm, I'm jobbed out. You know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, not for, I'm not for hire. But um, yeah. if you're looking for a fantastic director, writer, um, what else? Uh, co-screenwriter. Uh, you can't go wrong with both Rod Corral <laughs> and Tina D'Elia. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Much. It is a wonderful Saturday afternoon. Thank you Yay. so much. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better, better sign off. As the train honks. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. That's your sign off. Brilliant. And we are out. <laughs>